the SeaWorld Splash Team presents the SeaWorld Splash Team panel, where we discuss very controversial topics on SeaWorld and marine parks around the world. And now, here are your hosts, Joseph, Rose, Carmerson, Josh, Sheldon, and Ashley. Hello everyone, and welcome to the SeaWorld Splash Team panel. I'm your host, Joseph. Joining us today on this panel are Carmerson, Hello. Josh. Hey. Ashley. Hello. And Sheldon. Hello. So today we have decided to hit on some major topics in the cetacean world. But first, we would love to share each of our SeaWorld stories and how SeaWorld became a part of our lives. So Commerson, take it away. Okay, well, for one, we are going to be sharing our three SeaWorld stories, and for those who have watched, heard the podcast before, I'm back! So, um, I've been out for a little bit, uh, I probably won't go into detail on it, but uh, I'll, I'll probably guest star in a few episodes every once in a while, and my artwork is always still sponsoring the podcast. As for the SeaWorld story, I'm going to start it off today with that part, so, uh, my SeaWorld story, as I've told it before, but of course, episode one wasn't very good, so... Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm briefly going to just recap. In 1999, I took my first visit to SeaWorld when I was two years old in San Diego, and I absolutely loved seeing all the pilot whales, the bottlenose dolphins, the lugas, the sea lions, and the sharks, and even especially the killer whales uh, when going, and... You know, I grew really attached to it. And then since then, uh, uh, I started to um, get wanting to get even closer to not only to nature, but, but learning about how zoological parks do these kinds of things to get people inspired to care about nature, which they inspired me to do. And I really did get inspired because I started reading books, like big books for adults with huge words, uh, when I was three years old. And I just and I soaked every bit of information I could gather in, in on animals, especially whales and dolphins, um, all kinds of animals, and then like how to work a theme park system, which was kind of a recent thing. And since 1999, I've been taking uh, almost 100 visits to SeaWorld San Diego, and I hope to visit the other parks. And I've been able to make a lot of friends, like these special co-host here and the host of the podcast as well and um, it's been a very special journey and as well as interacting with whales and dolphins at the parks and really getting closer than ever before so that is my brief SeaWorld story and there you go thank you Commerce and here is Josh with his first SeaWorld story. Well, for a minute, well, that was actually kind of on time because I just lost my signal, but just got back around right time. But all right, so oh man, where do I begin? I guess first time I went was probably in the 03. And you know, like most people who actually know trainers and talk with them all the time, you know, I was mostly inspired just to work with killer whales, like. The fact that we can actually work with 
I was like, that is just amazing, to be honest. So, let me see here. Where should I begin? I guess my Road story would have to be probably around like fifth or sixth grade when I first went to Zero Camp. I started out kind of slow, but then I ended up having to get more into it with camp because I started getting back into it because I used to want to work somewhere else. And I remembered, hey, this place is actually, this place is cool. I remember. Which, you know, I was, I was kind of having dark ages back then because I didn't really know where I wanted to work. But then, well, a few trips zero later and boom, I just know I got to work with animals. I mean, I know that it's kind of like my destiny. Sometimes in life, everybody has their destiny. Some people will search all their life to find it, but they never do, and others do. So, yeah, that's my story. And here is Sheldon with his SeaWorld story. Take it away. My SeaWorld story starts back in 2000. When I was little, my parents always knew that I loved animals. I had a fish tank, 20-gallon. I had a bunch of fish in it, and they knew that I had a really good, I love the ocean stuff. So they took me to SeaWorld, and that's when I first saw, like, what a dolphin and a killer whale and a walrus I see might look like. I remember going to see the Shamu Adventure Show, and that was the first time I met Tilikum, the world's largest orca. And that's what really got me so inspired. That, like, the largest killer whale in captivity lives right here. I had no idea about it until just now. And it was just impressive. It was incredible. He was so big, and I just loved him. And after that, I got hooked on it like crazy. And also, I met Jozu at Key West Dolphin, the false killer whale. And she, I just loved how fast she was along with the other false girls. I loved it. And I really enjoyed seeing the manatees and going to their story and Wild Arctic. And I just loved it after that. It was really impressive. And that's why I like, really got hooked on the serial. And that's why I wanted to do my research and get a field into it. And I really, I still enjoy it to this day. Thank you for that, Sheldon. And now here's Ashley with her SeaWorld story. Okay, my first... Uh visit to the park was in 1997. I was three years old. It was in Orlando. And I remember going down to the whale viewing area and just looking at this big, massive killer whale. And I didn't know what this big whale's name was until later on, but it was Tilikum. And from that point, I just fell in love with these whales. And for the past 17 years, SeaWorld has been a huge part of my life. And I've been wanting to be a whale trainer since I was three, so I am working towards that goal. SeaWorld has made a huge impact to the point that I volunteer and help take care of sea turtles in a rehabilitation center, which opens my eyes to a whole other area in life. And also, um, it's just, it's been amazing. Like, I don't know how, what my life would probably be like without SeaWorld, but I want to be able to inspire others and educate others to live their dreams and to see these animals and let people know about these beautiful creatures from the whales to the dolphins and just keep on inspiring and, of course, believe because that was a huge part of my childhood life with that show. And, yeah, it's cool. Thank you, Ashley, for your really great SeaWorld story. And, and here's Joseph's SeaWorld story. Yes, the host of the podcast. So my SeaWorld story starts off as a five-year-old going to the zero Park, being inspired by all the trainers working with these animals and really connecting and inspiring me to 
pursue a dream in this field and then on my way to that dream I am going to college at the moment for my degree in psychology and just working my way to that dream so I am ready for my dream so now we are going to move on to Kalia's calf and how much she's grown so as everyone remembers Kalia's calf her name is Amaya uh, she was born on December 2nd 2014 at 1234 p.m. to Kalia with the assistance of Kasaka so we are gonna have everyone share their thoughts and we're gonna start with Commerson so Commerson take it away um all right so with uh, Kalia's cat Amaya uh, uh, when they first uh, the first of course it wasn't announced originally and most of the births aren't typically because you don't know if the whale is actually pregnant for a certain amount of time, uh, kind of like with the human baby. Um, but of course, I'd like to say I'd like, I'd like to recognize whoever owns the YouTube channel Cetus Cetus. I'd like to say thank you for your video of the ultrasound because I mean that was a very special moment. I mean I know it seemed like spying on SeaWorld, but it was for the SeaWorld fans because we wanted to know first, even though it kind of went out to the world. But I did think. I think that video was great. We got to see, and um, the the fact that she was pregnant it was really exciting because we just had Makani born recently, and then the uh, the eleventh whale. It feels like we're just piling up in San Diego, and um, it was really really uh, special. And of course, I was I was kept debating with a lot of friends and fighting with them because they were all like, "No, Chloe is not pregnant," but you can look on. On the ultrasound of that video, see the Cetus shot, that there is something in Kalia's womb, and it, it does look like a whale developing. Um, and I got the call when Kalia gave birth uh, in my house uh, from Joseph, who's also the host here, and he told he got he was pretty excited. He's he loves Kalia a lot, and he was telling me so much, uh, like, oh, Kalia gave birth. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. It's like um, she gave birth at this time, and it was pretty cool and exciting to watch her have a baby. And I mean, and then of course the naming contest was kind of stressful for me. I won't go into full detail, but Kalia's cat Amaya is adorable, and I can't, can't wait to get to meet her. All right, thank you for that, Commerson, and. Let's hear Josh's take on Kalia's cat, Amaya. Take it away, Josh. Well, I was actually... I didn't check out any of the videos about the calves. Um, what's it called when they do the whole... Oh, man, I can't remember that word. Ultrasound, yeah, that's it. I didn't see really see the ultrasound. I was just stressing on what everyone was just saying, so... I did look it up later, though. I found out. I actually... Was there two days before Kalia's calf was born, which is kind of exciting. But I'm like, oh, just two days away. Why did school have to start right there? But no, I was rather excited and extravagant. Or I hope that's the right word to say. But uh, yeah, no, I was actually rather excited and 
and we're going to have another whale to add to Blue World, Just and we're going to have more research to do on these amazing creatures, so I think it's going to be rather good. Thank you, Josh. And now, here is Sheldon with his pink on Kalia's cat. When I first found out Kalia was pregnant, my first thought in my mind was, who was the father? Which whale, like, was it Tilikum? Was it Key? Was it Ike? I was trying to figure out, like, who was it? And then I found it was Yuli. I'm like, I was trying to think, that's interesting. I didn't know he was, like, a really beside his son and Marine Land Spice. But my, my other thoughts were, I'm really happy she's having a calf. I mean, she's in the best place possible. She has her mom, obviously. She has Corky. She has Orcus. She has all these other experienced whales around, you know, to be with her, to help her out. And so I figured she was in the best care possible when I found out it was a little girl. I was like, that was pretty interesting. I was really glad that, you know, this is Kalia's first calf. She's going to have a really good experience, and her mother's going to be there to help her out. It's also going to, you know, help the pod grow out, grow and have another young one to to raise and make a better future for SeaWorld and give them something to keep their hands busy. And at 11 whales, that's, that's quite an impressive number, but overall, it was a really cool experience, and hopefully she takes part with her mother in shows and participates and grows and becomes a, a really beautiful young princess like her like her mother and her grandmother, hopefully. Yes, thank you for that, Sheldon. And now here's Ashley with her take on Kalia's cat. When I found out that Kalia was pregnant, I was really excited, and and uh, just and then once uh, once the calf was born, it was really beautiful and such a cute calf, and it was really exciting knowing that we have another calf born into the Sea World family, and also uh, knowing that we get to watch this whale grow up and. And can see what kind of personality she's gonna have, and uh, you know, and just different personality traits, and just all the amazing stuff that she has in store. It's gonna be really exciting, also for the uh, next generation, and gets to have a big, uh, a big part with her. So it's it's gonna be really exciting. I'm definitely looking forward to watching more and see how she grows. And she's just she's a really pretty calf, and yeah, it looks like her her mama. All right, thank you, Ashley. Um, my thoughts on Kalia's calf, when I found out Kalia had her calf, was very excited uh, for Kalia. I ran, I got the information from Rose, our other co-host, who is not here tonight. Uh, she's doing research in the field. Uh, and I also got the scoop from Josh our other co-host who is here tonight and I just started doing backflips well I didn't actually do backflips but I I freaked out I was like oh my goodness yes Kalia oh boy so I was definitely excited for Kalia and I'm just excited to watch this cat grow and uh, show her personality so that's my thoughts on Kaliga's cap. Alright, and as everyone knows, well, we are switching topics now. As everyone knows, SeaWorld Orlando, well, SeaWorld has released a documentary of their own called SeaWorld's 50 Years of Rescue. And we are going to let Josh take this first. 
So, Josh, what are your thoughts on SeaWorld's documentary? And what stuck out to you? Well, I thought it was rather good. Ah, uh, what I keep saying that word. I thought it was great that they did something like this. That lets the public know about what is the rescue program and how much it means to the people and all the animals around them. Wasn't like, wasn't like a response to Blackfish, more as what it was, kind of like a token, like, hey, we're going to be the bigger people and just tell what this is so that you can people. Now, now, hang on, let me try to figure out what, what I'm trying to say here. It's been a long day. But, uh, yeah, no. Oh, so I really liked it a lot. There was only one part I didn't see because of Wi-Fi, but other than that, I thought it was really good. And hopefully, it should change opinions or add opinions to people. All right, and here is Sheldon with his thoughts on SeaWorld's 50 Years of Rescue. Take it away, Sheldon. When I saw the documentary for the first time, my thought was, why didn't they have this instead of Blackfish? Like they could changed so many lives and so many people wouldn't have been caught up in that Blackfish Lie movie which I don't like and I just really liked it like the best part like about it was like, they had a few scenes with Telecom and they were giving him a rub down and they were petting him doing a little training session with him and I was thinking to myself like see SeaWorld they really care about their whales like despite the past of what they've done they still care about them that's how they, they treat like family they're family it's their responsibility they really were showing like all the stories they had about the pilot whales, the birds, the different rescues that went on. It really showed, you know, it showed what SeaWorld can do, what they can really do, and not what this Blackfish movie tried to portray them as liars or croaks or trying to take out people or make them make make the whales seem like they're being slaves to their own will. But this 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 documentary, I think, should have been in place of Blackfish. I think it would have really changed the future for how people view SeaWorld and how it works. And that's what I really like about. Alright, well, uh, my thought about the documentary was that it was definitely excellent. I loved seeing it when it came out. Um, it's still out on the website that uh, people who don't live in Florida uh, were able to see it. So it's a pretty good documentary. I would recommend it for anyone who has seen Blackfish to get the other side's story. Um, I do not recommend Blackfish, so don't watch Blackfish. Watch SeaWorld's 50 Years of Rescue. That is the best. Uh, so, definitely watch SeaWorld's 50 Years of Rescue. That one's the best. And here is Commerson with his take on SeaWorld's 50 Years of Rescue. Okay, so when I saw the uh, documentary, I sadly only got to watch half of it uh, because of internet problems. But I got to see the first half, and it was very good. And I love, love watching. I've always loved. I always love seeing the pilot whales on television, whether they're from San Diego or Orlando, um, especially in Sea Rescue. But then I also enjoyed Jay, the JJ story being retold again, along with some. Of the other rescues, such as the sea lion issues that happened at SeaWorld San Diego, which I've seen several times. Uh, we see their when you're in San Diego, you see their trucks going out all the time when they have like a sea, a sea lion emergency that's kind of going on around the whole state of uh, Southern California. And it, the the fact is, even though SeaWorld is 
a mega marine theme park like Chimalong Ocean Kingdom. They do much more than that, and they want to do much more than that, like a lot of other zoos and aquariums. And this is a very good thing to have uh, in a zoological park, to have conservation, donation, just conservation, but also have a theme park look is actually a good thing too, because that, that gets you creative in your shows and attractions to inspire people to care about animals in any way that they choose to. Um, whether or not designing a, a sea, uh, like a Sea World park or a zoo, uh, working with animals, like rescuing them, or even becoming a trainer, and even some people who couldn't become a trainer that work as say janitors or people who work at the cash register, they they like to work at Sea World because they might have had that same experience that we had, and the Sea World documentary really highlights this very thoroughly, and it's very good. All right, and here is my take on the, or, and here is Ashley's take on this uh, documentary that SeaWorld has made. I really enjoyed and loved the documentary. It definitely was what SeaWorld needed. It was, I watched it the night of and. I'm not gonna lie. I'll admit it was a, it was tearjerker here. Stories from the different workers, but the thing that stood out to me the most that I thought was really cool was the pilot whale stories because as we all know SeaWorld has the pilot whales and they cannot be released because they grew you know they don't have a mother to take them in and so, so I know a lot of people were there's a big debate about that but in saying how. SeaWorld is just keeping them to keep them, but really SeaWorld does not have a say about who can release these whales. It's the, you know, higher up people uh, like the FWC and as like just different um, governmental kind of places that have to say about releasing of the animals, uh, not SeaWorld. So I did like that. They talked about that. Uh, I did like the Georgia's manatee story, how if SeaWorld was not here to take her in she wouldn't had uh kids and now grandkids so i it was just a really good film i i just really enjoyed it it's better than blackfish obviously <laughs> all right and with that said here comes blackfish debate uh so we are gonna get josh's take on the blackfish debate and how he thinks SeaWorld is recovering from it. Take it away, Josh. Alright. So, the Blackfish debate is still hot. I think SeaWorld's already pretty much beating Blackfish. I mean, when it came out, they could have done a little bit more to stop it. And, you know, the, what they did try to do and what they're advertising, and you have all those people who don't like SeaWorld saying, oh, well, they just, look how much money they spent compared to us. Well, they only spend that much money because we need because there's more stuff to do than just advertising there's also more things like i guess international stuff would also be needed to do but anyways another thing about blackfish is anti-caps you guys need to stop using blackfish as a crutch okay it's everybody who's gonna see blackfish has already seen it you can't just say oh pro cap watch blackfish poof there 
There you go. Instant anti-cap. That's not how this works. I just find it boring. It's not that it bashes Cyril. Well, it is sort of, but I mean, I can't just... I literally can't watch it completely. I had to just change the channel and watch Spongebob before I got... It's like Josh's signal went out just now. Um, so, uh, let's have Sheldon go ahead and take uh, the, the, the seat right now while Josh tries to get his signal back. Uh, sorry about this, folks. Go ahead, Sheldon. Well, what's Again, folks, we apologize. But my take on Blackfish is I was worried. And the reason I was worried was because I was worried people were going to get the wrong information and they'll start thinking all these negative things about doing their research and getting the facts right. Because we all know that Blackfish needs a lot of key things out and they have a lot of misleading information that can lead people that are naive and aren't thinking straight to pretty much believe anything they hear on the internet or the, week or on the websites or you know, anything on TV. So, when I watched Blackfish and I watched the movies, I watched the whole documentary, I was thinking, like, what was this woman thinking when she made this one? Like, was she trying to accomplish anything or make things worse? Or did she even know the consequences from her, her actions or what was going to happen? But I don't know. The point is, it's it's a movie, it's a documentary that you can watch it and you can see all the flaws, all the mistakes. I obviously did not like it. However, when I did watch it, I did see some things that were like interesting. I'm like, okay, whatever led her to do this, or why did she use this, or make this lie? And it just made me wonder. But overall, I was just very concerned that the wrong people were going to watch this, and people were going to start believing this stuff that isn't real, because they believe anything on TV, or what their friends say, or some important idol or famous person believes in. And unfortunately, the wrong, the wrong idea about some these synopsis people we have no idea anything about it. That's why I wanted. That's why I thought it was made like it shouldn't have been made. It should have had at least the facts in there. That way, it had an open discussion, not just one-sided negative. If it had more positive and negative, I would have been, you know, more tolerant of it. But overall, not a good movie. Too many misleading facts, and unfortunately, some people now believe very wrongly about Zero, and I think it's been a very unfortunate disaster in some other way, but it's unfortunate that people not believe that this thing is true, and it's not. Otherwise, it's kind of a sad. Alright. And now that we have Josh back, Josh, do you have anything else you want to say about the Blackfish debate? SpongeBob better, Blackfish sucks. Alright, thank you, Josh. And now, my take on Blackfish debate. Uh, where do I begin? Uh, let's just say, I do not recommend Blackfish. Uh, I believe SeaWorld is recovering from this. Uh, they do have the stronger upper hand over Blackfish. Uh, Blackfish, you really need to... Blackfish just really needs to go. Uh, Gabriella Copperweight, you seriously need to rethink your sources. Uh, so yeah, that's my, uh, that is my take on this Blackfish debate. So now here's Commerson with his, uh, thoughts on Blackfish debate. Okay, so Blackfish, for one, uh, let me just say, Blackfish is a big pile of porpoise poop. Uh, um, for one, <laughs> this movie, 
I honestly was a bit nervous on how this was going to go when the movie was released. At first, I didn't think people would believe it, but it turns out it was a lot more popular than I thought it would be. And then that got me a little bit anxious on like knowing what is going to happen now that this is that this movie came out. And you know, I got every time I'm like, you know, like I'm like, oh, was like, is are things going to get worse or things going to get better and stuff? And I mean, it, it was very nerve-wracking, especially, um, and not just for me, for everyone else. Um, but um, through. I mean, even though SeaWorld, I wish they would have done a whole lot more immediately to defend themselves. But apparently, um, they didn't. They probably didn't think of it as a huge deal until things started to get a little bit worse with like the uh, Orca Bill in California. Um, that's when they really started to fight, and I'm glad that they did, even though they were a little bit late on it. But now it seems as if things are starting to look up better now. But I will say this, it's not over. This fight's probably going to continue on for a very long time. So I'm just going to say just keep faith and praying that they do good. Thank you, Carmerson. And here is Ashley with her thoughts on the Blackfish debate. My thoughts on Blackfish definitely a bunch of it's definitely a biased film with a whole bunch of lies uh, um my thing is i felt like it was disrespectful towards the trainer that we all know and loved watching growing up i definitely felt like that right there was just kind of i mean we all thought i mean my first thoughts about this film was at first when i found out it was going to be about the whales and a little bit about Don. And I thought it was going to be a good film until I started watching the trailer a little more. And then once it came out, seeing the big effect that it did, realized obviously it was not a good film. Um, I do think SeaWorld kind of, I felt like they kind of kept kept it on the down low for a little bit. I think once, they, once this film came out, but then they started fighting. And I loved how they broke down the film. And or basically they're, they're fighting. Like you said, it's going to be a fight for a while. Uh, none of it. We just can't give up. We just got to keep standing up for what we believe in. And every time someone throws a blackfish, and then we just throw back out, well, do research. Watch Zero. Don't base your opinions on a one-sided story. Because uh, that's basically all this film is. It's just a one-sided story. But I, I don't have any respect for the director, obviously. Um, she was not very respectful at all from a couple of the articles that I've read towards the Branshaw family and obviously her, you know, Don's colleagues and stuff like that. I don't really think she had a heart or cared, but that that's just, that's just what I think. So, yeah. And here is Josh on the winter and SeaWorld debate on no shows and winter's care. Well, um, I think Winter's in good care right now, and SeaWorld did help rescue Winter, which not a lot of people know that, but if you do watch Dolphin Tale 2, at the end, during the little film they show at the end where they show the actual rescue, 
you can see there is a woman wearing a serial shirt there who is actually helping rescuing them. I don't know if they were thanked at the end of the movie, but, you know, it is really good that they still showed them in there without taking all the credit, showing that that uh, Clearwater does not see it as a competitor, but more as an ally. So, about the debate, I'm not... I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not too sure about what the debate is. I've been having to do so much other stuff. I'm sorry, that's all I have. And here is Sheldon on his thoughts with the Winter and SeaWorld debate and no shows and Winter's care. I feel Winter and all the dolphins, including Hope and Nicholas, they're all they're all in a really good condition. They're in a really good home right now. They have a really good life. And obviously Winter, without her tail, she's in captivity. She has someone watching over 24 hours a day. When they canceled the shows, I actually didn't know much about it, but I think in my opinion, it's fine. I think it's really letting the dolphins have a choice. They're giving the dolphins a different a choice or time to do what they want to do it's more about them and that's what I thought was really cool about it so I think it's I think everything for now is going pretty well for them I think it's going great thank you Sheldon uh, my topics on the SeaWorld and Winter debate uh, and the no-shows in Winter's Care I believe that uh, the no-shows is kind of taking away from Winter's uh, stimulation. Uh, I know she's with a companion, but I think shows are definitely an essential part for the animals to to have that stimulation and to have something to do. So they're just so they have a little bit more stimulation. Uh, but other than that, I feel that winter is. is good care and that's my thought on this so Commerson what are your thoughts alright so for um, uh, with winter and the SeaWorld debate of course a lot of anti-caps are always worshipping the Rotterdam Aquarium for Winter's Rescue, and yeah, they're responsible for most of it, but you also have to give credit to some of the other facilities like Harbor Branch Oceanographic Institute that helped in it, and then the Florida Wildlife Commission, and especially SeaWorld of Orlando, because if, and then some handicaps will say, prove it, well guess what, if you go watch Dolphin Tail, the first one, and then you watch the uh, real footage at the very end of the movie of Winter's Real Rescue. Look at what some of the rescuers are wearing. One of them is wearing a sealed Orlando shirt, rescue team shirt. And of course, they were involved with it. Now, with the fact that apparently uh, not everyone knows exactly what this debate is about because it hasn't been going around as much, but as um, what this debate is that uh, Clearwater Marine Aquarium, when it opens this new aquarium, and in downtown Clearwater is not going to be doing dolphin shows anymore or training sessions. And it's going to get rid of them altogether. And honestly, this is a stupid idea. And they're not the first aquarium to actually consider this. The National Aquarium considered it as well. And it isn't uh, a very, you know, this is just a ridiculous thing. The only reason that they're doing this is because that they got all afraid of blackfish when it came out. Because, you know, it's attacking the biggest, you know, 
uh, marine uh, marine theme park in industry, and it, it kind of just ties in with it. And then Clearwater Marine Aquarium was also scared because they're a small aquarium and they had issues before trying to um, uh, trying to you know deal deal with their budget and stuff and paying their bills. So this is this was a scary thing for them. But you know what? If Clearwater Marine Aquarium and the National Aquarium are listening to this, don't fall into these people's you know lies and stuff. Don't listen to them. Ignore them because basically it's like a plankton versus Mr. Krabs battle. Honestly, from SpongeBob, it's a lot like that because every single time we've kind of just like beat them on some battles, not a war, but some battles. So just yeah, ignore them. And with the winter debate, debate, I'm glad that she's alive and she's at clear water and that they're taking good care of her. Well said, Congressman. And now here is Ashley with her take. Take it away, Ashley. I kind of, I feel like they should keep the training sessions. Just I mean because it it shows that it just less allows the guests to see the different behaviors that these dolphins can do and. It educates the guests about the training sessions that they are doing, but I, I'm not too familiar with this debate still. It's still new to me, so I'm still doing research. Um, <clears throat> but hey, the, they could keep the shows. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with with that. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say or to really say much, just because, like I said, I'm not too familiar with this debate. I'm still researching. So, I apologize. Thank you, Ashley. And now, moving on to rehabilitation, release, and captivity. We all know Noah has final say on who's released and who's kept in an aquarium when it comes to quality of life. For example, Winter or Lolita being put in a sea pen. Uh, so, Josh, what are your... Uh, on My thoughts on release, rehabilitation and release from captivity and, and wild. If they're wild and if they're from it, I believe they'll be able to make it fine. Like, three, if you have five whales from the wild and you have five, and, and two of them are, no wait, let me forget that. If you have five whales, right? And two of them are from the wild. Three other whales, I believe, would have to stay in captivity for the rest of their life because they were born in captivity. That's where they were born. They won't know the skills because they were born here. They're going to learn the skills they need to survive here. But are the ones that were born in the wild, I believe they it might take a vigorous time of rehabilitation, but I believe that they will be able to make it fine in the wild after quite a long time. Now then, putting Loretta in a sea pen... I don't really know if that would do much, because there have been people who will go and just cut the wires and releasing the animals. Now, where that might be good to some people, we don't know how that's going to behave. She'll just be off on her own and probably end up dying, because, as you know, cut whales need to be in a pod. You can't just release a one single whale into a sea pen 
because that's not how this stuff works. It needs to be released with a bunch of whales from its own pod. That way it can socialize and have more ability. If they were to expand the tank, that would be much better because it, she would have more space and would be, and she wouldn't be feel so cramped, I believe. Now, there are dolphins, I believe, there, right? Yes. Okay, I'm going to take this. Right? Yes, there are. There are some white Yeah, dolphins. so I believe that, I don't know if she gets along with them well or not, but if she does, then that would be like kind of just removing her from a kind of a, you know, cheap pod where they still are able to communicate, but you're taking her from where she is now, which... Although it is cramped, it's only it's one of the places she knows the best, and you're putting her into a place where she's probably probably never even been to in that area. You're releasing her; she would probably get more stressed she is in the area because she wouldn't know what to do. So, what are you guys' thoughts on it? All right, Sheldon, your thoughts on this whole release and rehabilitation and sea pens. My thought on the sea pens for Lolita and Corky and like Shamek are it's just not a good idea. It's just too many risk factor, factors to take into consideration. Like if they get caught in the nets, they could drown and no one's there. They could have a pollution oil spill and that oil could come in and harm them and could invest dangerous chemicals, different version currents of bacteria can get in their system. They may not like the change or the move. It's a long way up from the near in Florida all the way up to the north. Iceland, it's quite a long trip for an orca that's been in captivity outside. Also, you have to take into factor that they've never haven't seen the ocean in years, and many of the orcas in captivity haven't seen the ocean either in their lives or in years, and they may not know how to react to it. Might get scared, and could have issues. Things can happen, like aggression, fear, and they might stop eating. A lot of things you can can happen, but it's just this is not a good idea. I think where they are, I'm not saying some of the conditions are okay, but where they are now, it's with human care. 24-hour watch, a good health program, so they're better where they are right now. Thank you, Sheldon. And now, my thoughts on this whole thing with the sea pens is definitely not a good idea. Uh, we all know how it turned out with Keiko. Not really successful. Now, to those who think Keiko release was successful, uh, it was not. <laughs> um, I suggest picking up Killing Tego, and plus if he did release Lolita, it would just be another book called Killing Lolita, but it would be titled Killing Lolita. So we do not want to go down that path again and see another whale loses, lose its life in the wild. So I definitely think these whales are in the best top care and that they should continue doing what they are doing to care for these animals on a on the note that they are doing it. So keep up the good work, SeaWorld. You are very, very amazing. And now, Commerce in thoughts uh with lolita being put into a sea pen or being placed wild i'm going to say are you nuts well 
<laughs> for one, yeah, that's not, yeah, if you're laughing, go ahead and laugh. But, uh, with that phrase, but seriously, with Lolita's being released into the wild, hello, we already released Keiko, and Antic has reclaimed that to be successful. Well, for one, yeah, he died of ammonia in the wild, but what happened before that? He came to pe people, not just for attention, he to get food because he was underweight when he came back, when he found people in Norway. So, they, of course, they let him stay in the ocean, but, of course, he was starving himself to death. And then that's when he died of pneumonia. And we've already tried this before, and then considering that I ha Joseph has been reading Killing Keiko by Mark Simmons, and, uh, he w and Mark was a part of the Keiko release story, and the fact that uh, Joseph's been telling me that they were mistreating Keiko in, in some ways, and, like, food depriving him. That just sounds wrong. And if we repeat, and history does repeat itself, but we do not want it to be repetitive on this particular thing or with other whales and dolphins because then that is pretty much making them suffer. And then they've had this whole life of luxury living with us. And if we make them suffer for this, they're just going to think that we're awful and they wouldn't want to have anything to do with us. And then we may not even be able to get up close with them in the future. And of course, I don't like Lolita's habitat. It's obviously small, and of course there should be work done on it, but, um, or at least either she should probably go to another facility. And Miami Sea Aquarium needs to get a few things right, but you know, I'm not supporting any sea pens. I'd like it if she'd be sent to uh, another facility with other orcas. Thank you, Carmerson. And now, here is Ashley with her thoughts. My thoughts on sea pins is definitely a no-go. Um, pretty much a lot of you guys nailed it, but basically, yeah, I mean, it, history repeats itself, and we don't need to see Lolita die in a sea pin. I mean, like I said, I don't necessarily agree with what the... My, IMC Aquarium has her by herself, but at the same time, it's kind of hard because it's like, well, we either keep her there or we put her in a sea pen where she might last a year or less. And these animals, you know, they do depend on human care. And when you put them in a sea pen, they're not going to get that daily medical checkup done and their feedings, and they're going to be alone in the sea pen or with other whales. And I mean, they're already in captivity, so I take them out and put them in a bigger captivity. They can't really go very far. I mean, and then you also have some of those animal activists that don't even agree with the sea pit, and they might try to come in there and cut the nets or, you know, figure out a way to get to get to whale into the wild and not in a sea pit. I just, it's just not, there's just so many issues with pollution and, you know, oil spills, the the animals could be you know, trying to rip up the net, and it, it's just, it could cause so many problems, and then you would still have to hire people to care for these animals at a sea pen, that's what someone was uh, telling me when we were talking about this, and why waste the money and do that when we've already got people like us that want to care for these animals and want to get to see them up close and interact with them. And, I mean, I want my children and their children show, you know, the generations on, you know, on and on in the future to be able to see these animals, not through a sea pen, not, 
I mean, I want them to be able to see them up close and personal and get that same interaction and that same passion feeling like we've all had when we were kids. Um, so D-Pins is definitely a, a no-go. It's just not right. There's just so much wrong to it. But that's yeah, my thoughts. Thank you, Ashley. And now moving on to Orca Aggression and Behaviors. We will start with Kasaka, then move to Lolita, Kai, and Tilikum. So Josh, what are your take on the Orca Aggression and Behaviors? Well, I don't really think they're always aggressive. More or less, it's the circumstances that end up with uh, with the end result. Like how you like oh here oh it's them being coming psychotic because they're in captivity. That's not it at all. You've got to remember these are eight. How these are I believe they're like can be up to twelve thousand pounds or something like somewhere around that area. But these are twelve thousand pound precise killing machines. Sure, they can get along with humans, but we have to remember these guys are still mean. I mean, you can breed a lion cat in human care. But that doesn't change the fact. It's still a lion. It, its instincts haven't gone. They're still there. There's these circumstances that we just can't control, but we can hopefully in, in the future probably stop these circumstances from happening. Thank you, Josh. And Sheldon, your thoughts. First off, with Kasaka, Alita, and Katina, uh, I mean, Lolita and Tilikum and Kai. All these incidents happen for a reason. It's not just some wild event. There's always a reason. For Kasaka's starts, obviously, her, the reason she um, went after Ken was because something was wrong with her daughter, Kalia. Something happened. She couldn't get to her or something, and she had to express herself. I feel like these aren't really aggressive acts. These are forms of, of expression, like saying, I'm not happy about something, something's not right, and I'm letting you know. This might be only this might be Orca for hey listen, something's not right. I don't like how it's going right now. Lolita snapping at the guest, that video that's been posted up. I think that's Lolita saying, like, this is my territory. You, you are not a trainer, you shouldn't be this close to me, so I'm gonna tell you this is me saying please move away, please back up, I'm not comfortable with you being here. Another thing I'll talk about with obviously Kai with the um dunking video he was trying to send up his trainer. I kind of compare that one to like Taku and Ike, maybe, and, and Tako in this instance. And I feel like in those, all those incidents, all of them were young males kind of going through that ghost spot year. You know, when they hit that puberty, quote unquote, say, and they've got mature bulls. I think it's a form of them having, I want to say, something like elephants going, like young elephants going into musk. They have these raging hormones, they're starting to build up testosterone, they're getting more feisty. I mean, they're not necessarily aggressive, it's becoming more, you know, but boys, rowdy, they get a little rough, and trainers, you know, we're not big whales, so we can't play rough like they do, so I think that's the way of them kind of looking at a little bit of hormonal aggression slash a little bit of, um, like, hormonal hormonal things going on in them, and they have to express it in a certain way. Now, with Tilikon and the incident with Dawn, this this is an interesting thing I was thinking about. Uh, when it, when Tilikon grabbed on during that day we all know all the whales were off that day the show had to be cancelled as there's a video on YouTube on who the owner was there's a video showing the whales breaking control and going off on a, on a chase 
if you really do your research and look into it, the whole group that day and the whole group during that time was really off. They was unsteady. Katina, she was pregnant with Mikhail. Kayla and Kalina were having dominant issues. Taima too, she was pregnant and having trouble with her pregnancies. And then all in the in between all this, they're trying to, you know, keep up with the calves, Nailani and Malia and Trilla. They're trying to keep up with them and they're still young and they're still running around. And Tilikum, he's at the bottom of the picking order. And so he pretty much got the end of it. And considering Tilikum's past, compared to other bulls like Kai and Keet, Kito and Yuli, like his path was a lot more complicated than the other bulls. That's part of why he was a little more unpredictable and maybe somewhat psychologically a little damaged back then. And unfortunately, it might have led him to snap and the whole group being a stable date would probably led to the ending of Don dying, obviously. So you can't really blame Tilikum for that aggression. It's it was a whole big factor, and unfortunately, Don was in the wrong place at the wrong time when it happened. Seeing how it was, it was just, a, it was just a, unfortunately, like, there were just too many things going on, and unfortunately, something happens. And being Tilikum, being, you know, coming from a part that the females didn't like, and wasn't in a great situation, and he was bullied, and coming to Orlando, and girls still don't really like him that much, he, he probably, probably felt really... Who knows what was going to ahead? No one knows exactly that day what was going on, but I'm sure the whales knew something was wrong, and obviously something was wrong. And unfortunately, that's why Don's among the witness, because something went on that day. We don't know who or what, but that's my theory that the whole something internal with the entire group system was wrong, and that's what led to the incident. And that's my take, really, on what their aggression's really all about. It's more of emotions, not really actual aggression. Thank you, Sheldon. Uh, my take on this, um, I definitely think that uh, that Kasaka was definitely trying to get to her cat, Kalia. Uh, Lolita, I do not know much on that, um, so I won't go into much depth on Lolita's uh, aggression, but for Kai, it was definitely like Sheldon said, it was him uh, being a teenager. Uh, not all teenagers are uh, are gonna behave. Uh, he just was having that hormone kick in and Telecom also, like Sheldon said, is at the bottom of the pecking order, so yeah, it's not Telecom's fault, so we need to stop blaming it on Telecom, because it's not his fault, and so yeah, that's my thoughts on the Orca aggression, so Carmerson, what are your thoughts? With Orca aggression, for one, this is a huge topic that Blackfish is always getting into and stuff. And I mean, like, with their subtitle, or like their, you know, like, the, the title that they have on the movie that comes with the uh, main name, it says, um, do not capture what you can't control. Well, then they're kind of just making this whole situation sound like it's Jurassic Park, because, and we all know it's not, because... For one, we haven't had a major situation where the animals go around that, let's say, like Bush Gardens eating people. And Bush Gardens is a sci-fi film. I mean, Jurassic Park is a sci-fi film. 
<laughs> Pardon me. Uh, yeah, I went too fast. But um, <laughs> Jurassic Park is a sci-fi film. Uh. You have to know that. And um, for one, uh, orca aggression is not a constant thing happening with captive killer whales. Of course, they get angry like we do in the wild and in captivity at some points. Uh, especially like if you see the whales fighting, like there was this one time in 2011 where Ulysses and Orchid were fighting during a One Ocean segment, and once they were done fighting, they split ways, and they went to opposite ends of the show pool, and they didn't even want to be around each other, and they just sat there doing nothing, because they were probably really mad. And uh, I think there was another in 2013 where, again, Ulysses and Orchid, but this time they got Aikaika into this fight, they, they, both of them, I don't know what happened, but they, they, the both of them started fighting, and then they swam backstage as fast as they could, and then Aikaika just took off after them. I don't know what, what happened there. I don't think we'll ever know what's going on in, through their heads, unless we ever learn how to speak, you know, killer whale and stuff. Um, and, uh, for one, it, just because they're in captivity doesn't mean they're automatically aggressive. It's like with the tiger. It, there are certain things that will tick a particular animal off depending if they have a particular uh, issues with things around them. If they're like more sensitive to specific uh, actions that happen. And they can become really fragile to that. And just like this, they will explode and they can get mad. And it's with every animal. And But it's uh, like with reptiles, it's more, it's more common there. Um, because they have a more, because, well, they're cold-blooded. But, um, that's, or, orca aggression isn't what you think it is. There's a whole lot more going to it, and it takes an animal psychologist to know this stuff. So, don't leave it to people who are thinking this stuff, because, and they haven't even gone to college. Trust an expert. I mean, a real expert who's done animal psychology, and I'm not saying Lori Marino because I don't think she honestly is a full expert. I think she's just giving her opinion at the time. So go at, in fact, the animal, the Sea World Killer World Trainers are, uh, one of their requirements is to, one of their preferred uh, subjects in college to do is animal psychology. So you can go ask a trainer. And that is my take on Parker Aggression. Thank you. And now, here is Ashley with her thoughts on orca aggression. Yeah, um, thought you guys nailed it, but it, I mean, they are wild animals. And just like in the wild, they're going to do the same exact thing they would do there in captivity. So it's nothing different. Like, these people are saying, like, oh, it's because they're in captivity, they're aggressive. No, they're not. It's just, they're, they're wild animals. What do you expect? Um, kind of sounds like they're a lot like humans like when we get mad at each other they get mad at each other so it seems pretty normal I mean I'm majoring in psychology right now so I'm really excited when I get to the point to where we dive deeper into this kind of stuff because I would love to know about the animal psychology and behaviors and just different stuff like that but really the only aggressive that I obviously I know familiar with would be Tilikum and I just I think he was just off that day when that incident happened with um, with Don. Um, 
I mean, we can't say for sure, but I mean, my, I guess my thought is, I don't know for sure, but I just wonder if maybe something happened that day. I mean, I know like y'all said, the they were off that day, but with him, I wonder if it was that or, and it could have been maybe, I don't know how good their memory is. So I'm just thinking, I'm wondering if maybe a flashback or something may, triggered him to think about something that happened in his past, because we all know his history that maybe triggered him to go off and it was just I mean I don't want to say bad timing but it I mean it, it happens stuff you know accidents stuff I'm not saying it's his just stuff happens accidents happen I mean it's neither one's fault I mean you're dealing with a wild animal so it's just yeah it's, it's kind of a hard subject to talk about for me anyways but yeah I'm not I'm sorry I'm not being so clear right now it's just it's a very hard hard topic to talk about right now at least uh not a problem actually uh alright and now uh Taiji captures Russian and Russia and Chamelon uh Ashley won't be speaking in this one cause she has cause she, She's still doing research on it, but she will do the best that she can. But here is Josh on the Taiji captures uh, Russia and Chinawan. Well, the dolphins captured in Russia. No, you can't really capture any dolphins in Russia. What am I saying? Unless there's some sort of uh, uh, a land. They they do capture dolphins in Russia. Really? Yeah. What kind of dolphins? I'll figure it out later. But anyways, the ones in Russia, we can't really touch that stuff or tell them to stop because that's out of our country's lines. That would be like trying to tell Mexico, hey, you're part of Spain, even though they've already not been part of Spain for a while. You can't really do that because there's already other stuff in place. There's bunches of laws, and like Russia is actually going to listen to some American who's like, you guys should stop capturing whales because it's bad. They don't need to. They are their people can tell them that if it's bad. I mean, sure we'll do breeding, but if we ne- ever need to, they're doing it. I'm not approving it. I'm not disapproving of it. I'm feeling mutual on their subject. Now about Taiji, I would prefer if Taiji tried to fix their standards a little, shortening the season, trying to make it to where not that much stuff gets killed. Where if it is part of their culture, I can understand, but the world's evolving, and if they're going to keep on one tradition and not evolve, this is not going to be good for them. Eventually, something could happen. And I don't know what that something is, but already you've seen the people from Whale Wars, they're already giving them a hard time. Who knows before, Who knows how long it'll take before they, they're faced with, with more stuff. Back to you, Joseph. All right. On to Sheldon on the Taiji captured Russia and China. On all the captures going on overseas, I think in my opinion this is a, it's a risky move for them because I think they would have learned after probably seeing Blackfish. I'm sure it's been shown all over the world by now that they need to be careful about what they do. I feel like they're gonna have some serious backlash from obviously anti-caps or other people or activists. Um, I don't know too much about it, but I do know this. It, it's I just feel it's still a risky thing. They're kind of risking being really prejudiced and attacked by negative people. And 
I get some serious disagreements and arguments coming up from it. So it's just something that they got to deal with later. Thank you, Sheldon. And my thoughts on the Taishi captures Russia and Chimelong. Um, I definitely don't think Taishi is in the right for what they are doing. Uh, it's definitely risky. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that they have seen Blackfish and that they are aware, but they aren't doing anything about it. Um, my thoughts on Russia and Chimelong for the killer whales, I think that it's definitely going to help us with breeding. Uh, but I don't think the Taiji capture should be happening. I'm not in favor of capturing. Uh, I'm in favor of breeding because breeding is more is more efficient. So, uh, Commerson, what are your thoughts? With the Taji drive, for one, it's disgusting, and along with a lot of whaling that happens around the world, and Taji is no exception, because they are capturing the animals um, for aquariums constantly. And that brings back a lot of bad memories. And I know Japan is the world's biggest uh, marine theme park and aquarium for cetaceans in the world. It's the capital of it. And... Uh, I know that they have a great interest in these animals, but eating them, for one, is disgusting. And that's probably the that's even worse than capturing them. And then, um, honestly, they need to stop catching the dolphins and just breed them in captivity. And eventually, if they can release the ones that were just recently captured, then do that. And then as for the Russian killer whales, I've been really up to date with that stuff. The Russian orcas, um, most of them, I think, aren't not eligible to be reintroduced into the wild now because they've been in captivity for too long. And um, I'm not an expert, but I think that pretty much that a killer whale that was captured, uh, they would probably start getting rid of their wild instincts by living from, from six to nine or even a whole a few months or to a whole year in captivity. Um, but uh, for most of the whales, like Narnia, who's been in captivity for two years, it's too late for her. And the ones that are captured, like in May and July in Russia, it's probably too late for them. Um, and I know that Russia and China have a great interest in killer whales now, but they could have just asked for a breeding loan from SeaWorld or from Marineland Advertise France. I mean, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to catch these whales from the wild. And I know that they want to get guests inspired to care about these animals and they want to learn more and that's a good thing. But catching these whales isn't always the answer to everything. So um, uh, for one, I mean the, the captures are stupid but uh, whatever. But now that the whales are, are have been in captivity for too long we might as well just take care of them. And do whatever we want, I guess, as long as it's good. And, and I just hope that they'll have good lives and we have the best care as possible. Okay. And Ashley, what are your thoughts? My thoughts, um, more so with the Taji Dolphin Slaughters, is I noticed there's 
it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of new, unless it's been going on for a while, and I've just now caught on to it a couple months ago, but a lot of people, not I mean all people, but a lot of people that are against SeaWorld and stuff like that are trying this, seems like this new little trick to get people not to buy tickets is by saying, oh, if you buy a ticket to SeaWorld or any aquarium, you're supporting Dolphin Slaughter in another country. And we have nothing to do with that. I mean, SeaWorld is not, I mean, they're against Dolphin Slaughter. We have dolphins at SeaWorld and they're Atlantic bottom those dolphins. So I don't really understand why people keep saying that, oh, buy a ticket, it goes towards dolphin slaughter, when really, you buy a ticket to SeaWorld, it goes towards conservation and research funding to help animals and keep them in the best care as possible and towards conservation in the ocean and not dolphin slaughter. I mean, why would, see, it just doesn't make sense. Like, why would SeaWorld want to, I don't understand why people think SeaWorld wants to be a part of a dolphin slaughter when they own or have animals. Uh, that's just my short little thought about it, that a lot of people are throwing that out there, and it's just not true. So. Thank you, Ashley. And now we are going to talk about the Blue World Project. Detail, uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, Project Blue World. Uh, C-Pens, or details versus C-Pens, pros and cons, moving Lolita versus Shuka's SeaWorld move, and Keiko's rehabilitation, long-term, long-term care, and age of release. So Josh, what is your take on Blue World? I think Blue World is a good idea, and I really hope that they can start started really quickly because you have a first of its kind and if it is very successful we might be seeing blue worlds in other countries and other places across the globe it could change the whole world view on killer whales because now we're going to see them in an even bigger environment it's going to look more natural i've heard there's going to be a little rock area for the that's going to be i believe like maybe five feet deep for the whales but i believe was it like which whale was it? Orchid or Katsaka? One of them was a... I don't remember what. One of them was fr- was a killer whale who did that. So it's going to be interesting because... Oh, it's Corky? Oh, okay. So now it's going to be interesting because Corky's going to be able to show them what it's what that's like. And it's probably going to make her happy because she's going to be like, Hey, I remember this. And then you have, like... I'm pretty sure Makani and Amea are going to act like they're high because, I mean... You're going to see them, like, just everywhere. They're going to be like, what's this do? What's this do? What's this do? What's this? What's this? I can swim without moving. That was a water treadmill, anyways. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure Makani and Amea are going to just be thrilled and be so ecstatic when they find Blue World, because you got two... Basically, it'd be like letting two kids out on their own at Disneyland, and they just giving them limited spending. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I believe the other ones are going to like it as well. I don't know how many whales they're going to allow into Blue World at a time due to histories and other stuff. But, uh, yeah. I believe it's good. And is now, and Joseph, tell him the other stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts on moving Lolita versus Shuka's move to SeaWorld? Any thoughts on that, Josh? 
Um, I actually cannot give you any thoughts on that because I have not researched that yet. Okay. Uh, so, Sheldon, your thoughts on Blue World? The Blue World Project, this is what I think. Honestly, I feel like we're watching history in the making. This is like the first of its kind for killer whales in the entire world. And killer whales in captivity in the entire world. This is a first. This is like pretty much watching a presidential election all over again. And I feel every whale, everyone at SEO is going to really benefit from this. This is this is going to be pretty big. This this has got to be like, it's like getting a new, it's like pretty much watching USA getting discovered all over again, becoming a nation. It's, everyone's going to like it. I think Tilly's really going to benefit from it. I think also we could open up an opportunity for like other whales, say Kiska, Lolita, Shamek to actually be able to come to see and actually be room for them to come. That way they they won't have to live in the conditions they live in right now. And also it gives SeaWorld a chance to have all the whales have plenty of room to swim around, let things be natural. Um, like Josh said, the pebbles, I know Corky probably knows that and that's something I really enjoy about Wild Orcas is the pebble rubbing situations they go to. So I think this is a section like this is gonna give the killer whale something pretty much that they would get in the wild, but in a setting that's controlled, it's safe, they're going to be alright, and people are going to be experiencing something they can't normally experience while whale watching, though, because I don't know if you guys have done whale watching, it's difficult to get close to a whale or dolphin, despite the size, they are quick, they can go under the water and you won't see them, and I'm pretty sure they won't do any spectacular leaps for you, or stand still for a picture, so this is going to be, I, I think this is going to be something really interesting, I'm really excited about it, and I really hope it's going to go well. Um, as for Kiko and that release, um, obviously it was, I think Kiko was, I don't know, it's, it's like, it's kind of complicated. I feel there were too many factors that weren't, that were ignored and weren't really thought out about it. I think some, some more preparations could have been done about that. Some different preparations, more time, more discipline with the people working there, and more seriousness on how people used it and how they dealt with the situation. Alright. Thank you, Sheldon. Uh, my thoughts on Blue World. Boy, am I excited. I cannot wait to see these whales go in and just start just start loving it. I, it'll be fun and amazing to see. Uh, my thoughts on Keiko's rehabilitation, not good. Uh, just like Sheldon said, uh, there was a lot of things that were ignored. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but they should have done better with Keiko and the rehabilitation. As for Lolita's slash Chuka's uh, move to SeaWorld, I think it's awesome that Chuka is with her own kind now. Um, and she gets to be with other killer whales and act like a killer whale. So it's definitely good for Lolita to be with her own kind and or not Lolita, I think Chuka to be with her own kind. And I hope Lolita gets moved to SeaWorld, hopefully. Uh, Carmerson, your thoughts on Blue World? Uh, let me just say for Blue World, the day that was announced, I got my wisdom teeth pulled, so I was getting those 
nuts injected into my mouth. All I could think about was Blue World, so that was a good sign. Um, when Blue World came out, I was rather impressed with their efforts. I was astonished on how tall the viewing windows will be. They will be 40 feet tall, and you're looking up and you see killer whales looking down at you or swimming through kelp forests and coastlines that mimic their natural environment, and that just sounds so spectacular. It's like, why couldn't we have done something like this before? And um, now that we're learning about new details about Blue World, such as the trainers are going to be, when the trainers are going to be doing training sessions with the whales, they're going to be hidden in underwater viewing windows out of guest sight, so you won't be able to see them from above or below the water. And they will be giving them cues, and they'll also be using the underwater tone system to train the whales, and they'll look like the whales are performing behaviors on their own like they would in the wild. And then the, the... the water treadmill uh, that Josh mentioned, uh, that's a special uh, invention which they could have done, invented earlier, but they did it now, and it's, this is a great addition to it. Um, and then with also the new educational uh, techniques and new technologies that will be used for it, it's going to be very spectacular. I cannot wait for Blue World, and it's really frustrating that for Orlando and San Diego that we are going to be having having to wait uh, three years prior for the project to be done for those who want to interact with killer whales and for those who do I have friends who do and I do it myself for the, um, interacting with killer whales and the glass is our favorite thing but we're going to have to wait a while so just be patient hang in there baby <laughs> um, for, uh, for that new project to be done and I can't wait oh my gosh and with Shuka being transported to SeaWorld San Diego, that was a surprise to me back in 2012 when it happened. And uh, those, it's, it was great to see that she came in, and I was really excited to see her. Um, versing uh, her and Lolita being transported, I mean, Shuka is in a great place, and um, she was born at Marineland in France, and uh, Marineland, of course, is a good friend of SeaWorld. And they chose us to go ahead and take her in for a little bit. And I say, thank you, Marine Land. Um, I don't know how to say that in French, but thank you. <laughs> All right. And Ashley, your thoughts on Blue World? I am so super excited. When the announcement came that day, I was I was a very, very happy girl. Um, I'm a little upset though that Orlando is going to be last. It's killing me. Um, and then also knowing that we're not not going to interact with the whales for a while. That's just going to be hard. We'll get to see my Trua, but that's okay. Um, but I was just told that we were going to be last, so I don't know if that's true or not. Um, they said Orlando was the last and San Diego was first. I- I don't know. I read that from an article, so I don't know if that's true or not, but really hope we're not last because that just makes you more exciting. But um, I like how it's going to look like a natural environment to them. It, I'm really excited to see, and I'm going to be very curious to see how they the whales take it in. Um, like Josh said, they're probably going to be like very curious, wondering, what's this do? What's this? And what's that? You know, just looking around. Um, but I'm I'm very excited. Uh, this is something that is needed. It's something that's been working on, been worked on for a long time before Blackfish came out. 
um, so I just, yeah, I just can't wait. It's, it's going to be really exciting and just a new, new adventure. Um. All right. And now getting into the fun stuff. Overseas expansions. So, let's hear Commerson on international expansions. Take it away. Okay. Well, I have been doing a huge amount of research on the international expansion for those who don't even know what that means. International means outside of our country or the country you live in. And of course, you probably know what expansion means. This is SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment's international expansion. You can call it the global expansion, if you will. Um, I'm so excited for this. I actually have a big poster uh, on my wall right now of it that I made myself. And the international expansion, uh, since everyone knows about the original Dubai project from 2008 when it was announced, which was in development since 2004, um, that expansion was temporarily, not permanently canceled because they re-announced it last year uh, um, that they would be doing it in the same spot, in the same city, in the same country again. Um, we don't, but they didn't give any details if they're going to be redesigning the island specifically. Um, I'm always up to date with this and I'm constantly looking for new clues and details that I can possibly find to learn about this expansion. and. Um, uh, I've also learned now that our expansion is not just going to go to Dubai, it's going to go around the world. And we already know uh, that they said, they announced which countries would be getting not just SeaWorld, but their whole family uh, of parks. Russia, China, Pan Asia would include Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, India, and the UAE, which was where Dubai and Abu Dhabi is at. And they did mention Abu Dhabi might get a SeaWorld world as well as Dubai and then as I got up there's possible sea worlds for Singapore and Malacca Malaysia and um, possibly maybe even two or three for China because it's a huge marine theme park area um, for other parks like Aquatica most of there's actually a, quite a few Aquaticas I'm getting word on and one Discovery Cove in Dubai and then possibly a Sesame Place and a Bush Gardens in Abu Dhabi and the international expansion is going to be spectacular, and I hope to visit every single one of those parks in the future when I get older, along with my friends here who are co-hosting. Um, I'd like to invite them someday to come with me, and we can all take a trip around the world. Um, but real quick before I finish up on this topic, uh, one of the biggest topics um, that I get questioned about um, with... Uh, a lot of people is that they're afraid that the killers are going to be transported to another park. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't argue with that theory because it's happened before. And Laurel, let's say Laurel Parque because that's the best example we have for this. Laurel Parque um, transported four of our whales out of our parks, SeaWorld. And of course, they're going to do this for international expansion, but it's not going to just happen all of the sudden. Um, it's going to uh, happen gradually when we have more whales and stuff in our facilities. So you don't have to worry. And if you are scared that your whales are going to leave, well, I know the feeling about that. I'm sorry, it might happen. It's a good chance. But trust me, 
this like they'll just be going over there for 10 minutes and they'll come back someday um, to you know be a part of our SeaWorld family uh, here in the States again and you don't need to get scared it's all right we'll get through it <laughs> hang in there baby <laughs> um, um, but be excited for SeaWorld because this is a huge opportunity for them to be invited to other countries and expand. Thank you, Commerson. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on this? I'm excited for it. I can't wait for it. Sheldon, your thoughts? My thoughts? Um, I'm really excited. I'm hoping for something new, exciting, new whales, new dolphins. Maybe new generations of workers. Um, I'm, obviously, I'm a little, you know, a little worried that my whales are going to be, some whales might be leaving. But if it's like a parent with their child going to college, you'll see him again. But otherwise, overall, good thoughts, positive thoughts. Hopefully, for um, something new, something interesting. I'm there. Thank you, Sheldon. Uh, I'm very excited for the international expansion and cannot wait to see what's in store. Uh, Ashley, your thoughts? Um, I'm excited to see what's in store. It'll, <clears throat> excuse me, it'll be interesting and exciting. Um, I am a little worried um, about about the animals, but I mean, it's just a little bit. But I won't worry. I just and they've got best care and best plans possible so yeah it's gonna be really exciting and interesting all right and now we are coming to our final topic folks so our final topic is on SeaWorld and orca conservation project which includes drones and whales so uh while we wait for josh to regain his signal sheldon what are your thoughts I think this is a really big step and it's showing how far SeaWorld's come and what actual research is really going to go into wild killer whales. And I think it's really going to show the people, give them like a really good insight, look into killer whale life more than what SeaWorld offers as, you know, during the shows every day. So I think this is going to be cool. I'm really interested in going to use the drones. Maybe they might find out something completely new. Maybe discover different languages, how to interpret languages. Or maybe something useful they can use back up in captivity or in the wild or explain some hidden mysteries, you know, why do certain whales do this? Why are there different types of killer whales like transients on offshores and residents? Might I discover a whole new entire orca type, maybe even a new species. We don't know, but it's definitely gonna be a helpful tool. It's gonna be useful and I here's something I would hope they would do. I hope maybe they would like use the drones and take their footage and maybe play it on like a serial website or a podcast or or the TVC rescue, maybe do a cool special on that, a wild orca research, and that would be that'd be cool. And also show the anti caps that hey, SeaWorld is taking into research. They're not just, you know, making circus animals out of killer whales. No, that's not what they're doing. So I'm excited, looking forward to it. Maybe they can use this rainbow plant, National Geographic, who knows, but something positive. Otherwise, very good. Alright. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts for the Orca Conservation Project, and the drones. I actually have not heard about the drones yet. Can you fill me in on them really quick? 
basically they are using drones to study the world out in the wild and uh, see uh, the whales from an aerial point of view. Alright, well that sounds actually really interesting. I'd, I'd love to see how that's going to happen. So is this owned by SeaWorld or is this owned by somebody else? It is owned by SeaWorld. Oh, it is? Oh, great. So now that everyone knows what it is, especially the viewers, who I didn't even know what it is till I heard about it now. But anyways, this is actually sounds really interesting because now oh, we're not just having to take out research boats and go seven months out to just study killer whales to publish five minutes of research. No. We're actually going to do really good and we're going to get information that everyone's going to use. And oh my gosh, it's almost been two hours. Wow. Uh, your turn, Joseph. Alright. <laughs> uh, I definitely think that this whole thing with the drones and orca conservation is a very good step for uh, SeaWorld, uh, especially with studying whales out in the wild, too, because they are very, very uh, good with getting information, so I definitely applaud SeaWorld for this. Uh, Commerson, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, um, with the Orca Conservation, the Blue World Project, um, that's uh, that was funding $10 million of research and conservation in killer whales in the Pacific Northwest. And um, the whales over in that area where Corky and Lily are from are suffering right now, probably the, very greatly compared to their uh, counterparts around the world. And using drones to get footage of whales, and that sounds great, and in fact, Vancouver Aquarium has succeeded on that, and they actually got footage of killer male orcas headbutting, which is a behavior pilot whales do when fighting, and this is a very interesting behavior because we've not seen it in killer whales before, especially in the resident population, and the fact that they're headbutting possibly for dominance in the social hierarchy for them males because they're in the lower social hierarchy of the pod um this is an interesting insight into their everyday lives um and we can i'm really hoping that uh we can all learn something uh, totally new and maybe one day we can learn about how their language works and we can even talk to them one day because i'd love to i'd love to talk to a whale <laughs> only if we could like get in their pitch range but uh this whole idea of Getting new research for the for killer whales is very cool. Alright, and with that said, uh, anyone have any final topics before we all close out on this very exciting uh, podcast? Stay peppy! Whale of the day. Ashley, you can give us wild days. Your thoughts on wild days. Wild Days was awesome. Um, I, <laughs> I'm sure many people have gone out to see it. Um, I went to the weekend that the Irwin family was there, and it was really cool getting to meet Bendy. She's the sweetest girl, so much like her father, has the same personality. And uh, we went to her Generation Nature show, 
and she talked a lot about um, just the different things that we can do to help our oceans and our environment with beach cleanups, park cleanups. It was actually funny. She said she found a toilet on a beach cleanup. I don't even know how it's possible, but um, it was just really cool. And then getting to meet her in person was awesome. Uh, she, of course, had us all beat being from Australia and asking different people where they're from. Got to meet her mom. That was a bonus. Her mom's a sweet, down-to-earth lady. Um, the park was full capacity that day, which is awesome. And they just had different uh, different things going on. They had different animals out. The animal ambassadors were out. Just educating, of course, as always. And we had Benny Irwin, sorry, educating as well. It was just, it was really cool. I am definitely looking forward to the future of this. I can't believe I've never been before, but it was, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And I heard Jack Hanna is, uh, is at a different sea world. Now I'm not sure which one he, he's going to be at. All right. Uh, anyone have anything to add to Wild Days? I do. Um, okay. Wild Days. It, wild Days, it sounds. I, oh my gosh. Um, me and Josh have plans for a sea world trip in San Diego. Uh, we're like carpooling, I guess you could say. And then uh, involved with that. <laughs> yeah, Josh is going to join in uh, along with some of our other friends. And we're going to be there during Wild Days. And we're supposed to go the weekend Jack Hanna comes. And I really want to meet Jack Hanna. Well, now, got to remember. It did say that it was just he was supposed to make an appearance. I don't know when, I don't know where. It's probably going to be at the Pet State, because that's where they usually do it in San Diego. Uh, I don't know what time it is, but dude, we're going to do that with Shamu that day. So uh, Yes, and um, they have times, of course, for the Wild Days shows in the Pet Stadium, uh, so I should say. Get there early. Yep, get there early. And the Wild Days is going to be so much fun, especially in Orlando when they do uh, the pile of pre-shows, even though the whales are kind of going in and out, forming in blue horizons now. Um, it's still good to do pre-shows and get guests, you know, knowing about like how what is their story. And even on Sea Rescue, it makes it better. And it's fun. <laughs> well, don't you guys worry about having to go there early. I'm a world-class sprinter. I'll get us. No, I'm just lying. I can just run fast. <laughs> Uh, let's but do a Bendy Irwin show. Up on my shoulders. <laughs> All right. But the Bendy Irwin show, had we not had our VIPs, we could not have. So it's definitely something you want to get there early for if anyone's going to Wild Days out there. Yeah, we'll definitely get there early. All right. Um, so as we close this podcast, uh, we just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, we know it's a long podcast, but... This was a special podcast, uh, so we hope you tune in for the next podcast to come. And from all of us here on the Splash Team, we thank everyone for joining us. And, Carmerson, what would you like to say? You can run, but I'll still be in your, your nightmares! Bye. Sheldon? For all you out there, never stop believing and have a whale of the day wherever you are in this great blue world. Josh? Oh, I really want to go last. Okay. <laughs> Ashley? Yeah, just uh, have an awesome day and remember, keep on believing and accomplish your dreams in life. 
Yes, we believe. Okay, and Josh. Hey, what about you, Joseph? Okay, uh, until next time, flash you later. Alright, now I can do it. Okay. Remember, find your story, and once you find it, never let go of it. And also, we'll see you next time I'm in the Soak Zone. Remember, if you want to share any of your favorite Zero stories or memories, please call or text the Zero Splash Team 407-900-5309. Once again, that is 407-900-5309. Or email us at zeroldsplashteam at gmail.com. Thank you, and we'll splash you later.